Hi, my name is Aviva and I will be having a conversation with Zeno for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experience of trans-identifying people. It's May 28, 2019, and it's being recorded in Zeno's apartment in Harlem. Hey. Hey, uh. Okay, go ahead. Um, all right, my name is uh, Zeno, and I have prepared for you all a little rap that, as I say, encapsulates my essence. It's intense. I am the benign ghost behind every guidepost disguised in guy's clothes or a rhizome comprised of rhinestones crying in tritones. The limestone thickness of my abyss is invictus. I got through with the sickness just to exist in rictus. And the parapraxis of my black the parapraxis that I practice is a tactic of my blackness. The apparat the backwards apparatus of my madness. If you've seen the crystal lattice in balance on the Havent horizon, you've seen the magi leading me on ascent to Zion. I am making eyes with the end and relenting instead of crying. I am getting relentless. I am antediluvian, proof that Judas was Nubian, skipping school with the hooligans up in Jerusalem. That's it. That was great. Thanks. Um, so because of your lyricism, I was wondering... Um, some people talk about writing from the wound and I was mm. wanting to know like what experiences you draw from when you write. Yeah, that's something that I honestly writing from the womb. I, I, I don't remember where I learned um, this, this word, but it's descarga and it's discharge in Spanish. And um, it's, I don't remember where I learned that, but it was, it was talking about basically that writing from the wound. And there was also this thing, uh, that I think was called like the diocene or diocense or something like that. That meant like this wound, like a festering wound or something like that. And um, I, I try really hard not to always write from a place of pain or a place of hurt or a place of woundedness. But those are the most potent moments, it seems. So I definitely tend to write from moments that are wounded for sure mm. and are you who are you speaking to when you perform a rap do you have someone in mind or a group in mind or yeah that's interesting i actually i actually like always write and <laughs> i'm a performative person so I, I have a problem not writing for an audience but the thing is i never really think about who the audience is so the yet to be known. Yeah, yet to <laughs> be that. known. I I hope my hope honestly if I'm being honest is that it's as many people as possible and then like I don't know because I think that it's always really fun to have people hear random things that I decide to say. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and I know you did a big performance for your college thesis. I did, yeah. And I wanted to know more about that. Um, yeah, it was called On Some Cusp, Laughing With Me. On Some Cusp, slash, slash, Laughing With Me. 
I don't really know why there are two slashes, but thinking of wounds, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and thinking of a cusp, like the edge, kind of seems like a wound. But um, yeah, so it was basically this thing that I created um, to kind of lace together... I don't know if lace is the right word, more like weld together into a weird shape poems that I had written over the last year, over that last year in college where I felt like I was uh, doing this thing that I called traumatic narcissism um, or being this thing that I called traumatically narcissistic. Can you expand um, on that, what that, what that means? It means that like... <laughs> It's not a misnomer. And I think that it means that I have had a lot of trauma. And I think that it has forced me to like be engulfed in only my own problems and make it really hard or like only... I don't know. I think that it's it's not narcissistic meaning like I'm the best and I am the only great thing even though it is sometimes like that. But it's it's narcissistic in that I can I I can't. It's hard for me to think outside of myself. But it's also interesting because I um I can basically like connect my life to anything, you know? Like I don't know if other people can do that or not. Like and I and that's traumatically narcissistic. Thinking like I'm doing something that other people. That's okay. That uh, that I'm doing something that no one has ever done. Um, and so I, you feel like you're pioneering all the like. Oh, always, <laughs> always am I pioneering. I have a funny story about how when I was in tenth grade, I. Um, thought that I came up with homonormative. Have you heard homonormative? Like, I think I have, but can you break it down? Just like, so what I understand of homonormative is like people who are like gay, but like they might as well just be a regular, like they're just a regular person, you know? Maybe like, they're called basic. Yeah, exactly. Like a basic, like a basic, like, oh, I'm just going to work my job and, you know, not like, uh, like I'm just gonna like like you're like a gay like a gay person that's like, you know like someone who's like I want a white picket fence. Still has aspiration and, for a heterosexual. Yes, kind of life. exactly. Yeah. yeah, precisely. Thank you. And um, and Let's yeah. Pause for a okay, we're back. You were talking about heteronormativity or homonormativity. Right. So, it's it's the kind of homo that wants to be, like that wants to contribute to and benefit from like says heteropatriarchy and um, I think and I also had this thing that I anyway so I thought that I came up with that um, come to find out I did not at all then I had this whole thing about trans normativity that I thought that I came up with I was like I've never heard it so but the thing is I'm not really looking, so the fact that I've never heard it's not surprising. Anyways, so I didn't come up with any of these things, and 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 while I think that I didn't come up with them, I do think that in the case 
of transnormativity, which I, which is not the same as homonormativity. Just it's not homonormativity with trans people, right? It's um, what I understand to be transnormativity is this thing that I really try to avoid, which is um, transnormativity is forcing yourself, or not forcing yourself, but like feeling like it's your will to be in binaries when it's not. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like toxic masculinity in trans men is transnormativity. Like, kind of like feeding into the binary. Like an internalized. Like an internalized, intense, like it's, yeah, like the same way that like, you know. Sense of patriarchy that's already kind of dictating I don't know the ways yeah. in which people are controlled to think they have to be. Right. Right. And so it in the case of transnormativity, it's more of a defense mechanism and with homonormativity in my perception of it, it's not, it maybe it's a defense mechanism too. And I just have a little less tolerance for it. Okay. I'm not sure. So on this, like, where do you see your gender? I'm really, um, I used they, them pronouns for a long time and it was not satisfying. And I used, and obviously I used she, her pronouns for a long time too. Uh, kind of non-consensually, but um, and that obviously didn't feel right, so I changed it to they, them pronouns, and that didn't feel right either. It felt like a, for some reason it felt like a cop-out. For some reason it felt like a, like it was just becoming a trinity and not like disrupting a binary. Does that make sense? I mean, I think it depends on who, yeah, how, how people feel. Yeah. Like, and uh, so then I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to use he, him pronouns because it's not she, her pronouns. It's like the opposite in some way. But it's, but it was, it was just, when it comes down to it, I think it was just easier. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it was just easier. So the thing you were talking about, about um, the fighting against the binary or like feeling like yeah. you don't subscribe, but then... It is in some ways opting it, towards the binary. Yeah. For this ease. For sure. For things to just be in a way that they have been. But maybe that's not true. <laughs> but it's also just like I can't tell like what is socialization and what is like my will and my and truth. And language is its own trap. Exactly. And I and I know that and I know I've come to the conclusion that no pronoun will feel right because the way that we do pronouns is not even right for me. Like, I don't know, I don't have an alternative, but I know that it's not right for me because when people use he, him pronouns, I'm like, who? Mm. Mm -hmm. And people use they, them pronouns, I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. And then when people use she, her pronouns, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. So it's just a meter of comfort. Yeah, totally. And like, and I know that that, and that, and identity has to be what, and I always wonder like, what's more effective and whether this is even a dichotomy that's important to make, but like defining something by what it is or by what it isn't. And like, 
I forget where I was going with that, but that makes it was sense. Somewhere. It's like it's yeah. It's like if I can't describe it, what outside of it defines it for me in the way that right. things are predisposed. Right, right. Understood. Yeah, and I think about like identity with my and I'm like, if I can't I can't describe like if pronouns are equal to gender, which they aren't, but if they are then there would have to be and gender was equal to, if pronouns are equal to gender and gender is equal to me then there has to be a pronoun that equals me right mm. and there's not like naming i mean you chose your name do you think your name is closer to your gender than your yeah a hundred percent a hundred because like so people just often or like call me my name i know <laughs> i know like but like then it becomes like this thing where i'm like Ugh, i feel like i'm like making this statement every time someone talks about me there's a statement and then you know what happens i know how people are gonna do it too because i'm that kind of person who like i met this person who only went see i'm like i don't even know if i did it right just then but only went by their name i don't want to say their name on the thing but only went by their name so like say their name was max right if I was talking about Max, I would have to say Max's name every time I was talking about Max. Rather than if I'm saying Max's name, I'd have to say their name every time I talk about them, right? And, but like I would, you know, and then I would be talking about Max, which is not the real person. And I would be like, oh, Max is Max, you know? And I would like, when I, every time I would have to say it, I, it would be like this thing that I would be like laboring about, which is like, I don't know it. There's I don't want some contradiction in like. Yeah, the, tell me that, about it. Well, no, because you're talking about like causing a disruption in the binary or like a way to make space for this other thing. But then it's like, but I don't want to make that much space to create this other, other option, which is just yeah, that's name. true. But you know what? I don't even know. Okay, so here's the thing about it's interesting that you bring, or maybe it's not. It maybe it's poignant or pertinent or germane that you bring up naming as gen as being closer or further from my gender identity because I don't know if I hate binaries. Go on. And uh, like so Zeno is an ancient Greek philosopher, Zeno of Alea who created these paradoxes in support of a man named Parmenides. Parmenides, who I assume was on drugs, uh, believed that everything in the universe was uniform and timeless and that everything that we sense changing was a delusion. That's what Parmenides believed. He was from Alia as well. Zeno, who, and this may not be his intention, but my understanding of it was that he was just a troll. And he was, and so basically, Parmenides brought out this idea about us all and these delusions. And then, you know, whoever the contemporary was, whether it be Aristotle, Aristotle or Plato or Socrates, for whatever one of those guys, there was one of them that was a contemporary, came out with these paradoxes that were like, Parmenides, like, no, bro, like, that's not the way that the world works. And then Zeno, in defense of Parmenides, in what I assume to be 
a kind of devil's advocate troll moment created these paradoxes in support of Parmenides because they were from the same town. And the paradoxes don't really make any sense. But they have to do with the fact that, like, no matter what, we can never reach something because the di our distance from it always halves rather than ever reaching zero. And, like, so we can never fully reach a finish line or, I don't know, kiss a lover or whatever. And, like, even if we sense that we touch each other, we don't because we're only ever having each That's other. That's kind of, like, cycling back to traumatized narcissism in a way. It's, like, huh. I don't know. I was just seeing some sort of parallel to yeah it not being fully about an absorption of oneself it's just like it's through this other it's broken down through this other system yeah totally that's interesting but but also Zeno was said he was like the the head of the Elean school of philosophy and is said to be the creator or the founder of the in, inventor whatever of the dichotomy like of of dichotomies and like having like just literally just being like not this but this mm -hmm. and like i don't know I, I think it's definitely socialization that like need to be on one side or the other like i always am thinking in pairs and twos and like you know on the other side of the coin like, as if there's only two sides of this coin when this mm -hmm. coin is, like, a tetrahedron. Um, so, yeah. And also, you're competitive. I'm very competitive. <laughs> what have you been competitive with in your life? Everything. <laughs> Every single thing I'm competitive about. Um, I used to be the person who would cry in gym class. I'll say that on the record. Um, I did cry in gym class if I did not do well. But I think it comes from the fact that my dad was uh, what's the word? A bombastic uh, like spectator of mm -hmm. my sport. Uh, he, well, what, what would be some things he did? Can I yell? Or is it gonna yeah, be you could do your thing. He'd be like, Get to the fucking hole! Like, get to the fucking basket! Like, screaming! I'd be in fourth grade. It would be like a basketball game. Like, this big black man screaming on the sidelines in this all-white town. It was embarrassing, is what it was. And, like, I was like, I have to do well because I cannot deal with him screaming like that. Um, and... But I was always competitive, I think. I don't know why. I yeah, really, I yeah, I, I don't know why, but I've been competitive in gym class... I'm competitive, I'm competitive, like, when it comes to, like, brawn, and brain, brain and brawn, actually, you know, like, I want to, I want to, like, if someone says they're stronger than me, I'll be like, unless they're really stronger than me, in which case I'll be like, okay, you're stronger than me, you know, like, if they're really obviously stronger than me, I'll say it, but if I think I can win, I'll compete every time. And what's it like working with children? I mean, because you are a supporting character, but also you are guiding and standing in front of, in front of them, leading them. Yeah, um, it's hard. It's really, really hard. Um, especially because I'm not the kind of person who's like... Um, I'm not the kind of person who is... 
wise, I don't think. Okay. Like, I think that, and wise is, like, prudent. Like, I'm not like a, oh, I think everything out and I... I'm not organized, you know, like the, I feel like the advice that I give to my students is the advice that I give to myself, which is, makes me a little nervous and it feels ingenuine mm-hmm. because I'm not, I'm not convinced that like these organizations, I, I know that if I was organized, my life might be easier, okay. but I've gone pretty far, like cutting corners and you know, not doing readings and not completing homework and doing, being, getting addicted to drugs, having crazy sexual experiences, like, I'm fine, you know, I have some trauma, whatever, I think it's made me better, so it's hard to, like, it's like I feel protective of them, and I don't want them to have shitty experiences, and so I try really hard to you know, like, there are certain things that, like, I, like, I will be really authoritative about. Like, when kids make jokes about consent, and I'm like, I need, like, I'm like, no. Like, we're not, like, the, a, woman, a girl was talking, saying the word retarded today, and, like, was saying, I'm not retarded, like, I, it's not ret-. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Like, come outside for a sec. Mm. Like, you know, there are some things where you just, like, I, I want them to understand how important it is. Like the black boys, I'm like, do you understand that people get shot for doing what you're doing right now? <laughs> like, like they'll like do like they'll like come up behind like I, like I won't say I've never said that, but I want to say that. Like, like I ask like it, it's like they. I I just want them to understand that the world is really crazy and like that they have to be careful and like. Like, they think, like, today they're talking about drugs and, like, getting things that were laced. And they were all like, that doesn't really happen. I'm like, what are you, like, I'm like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's like, it scares, like, I get really scared. Are you able to have those conversations with them? Yeah, I mean, they learned about it. They were were learning about it. I, it wasn't, I wasn't the one teaching that class. And sometimes, like, I was, I was, like, the only teacher that they allowed in, like, the sex ed class, I guess, because, honestly, I think because they were talking about gender and stuff like that, and I'm the only trans person around. Yeah, what's it like being a visibly queer educator with, like, they're middle school kids, right? Mm-hmm. They're very cultured kids. Um... I've gotten misgendered by them a few times, but, like, honestly, I think that people, like, slip up on pronouns all the time, like, regardless of whether the person's trans or not. Like, I've done it before with people who are cis, like, said the wrong pronoun by accident, like... So I I feel like they, I, like, and, and the school is really, like, really supportive of it. Like, you know, like, oh, and the boys, like, if I have, like, when, like, if there are... And I don't know why I'm surprised by this. But I guess, like, the reason, but, like, if, like, the other day there were two boys making a lot of ruckus in the bathroom, in the boys' bathroom, and there's also a gender-neutral bathroom for faculty, but, you know, there's one gender queer student who we allow to use that, whatever. And a, a, a woman who was a teacher walked by and was like, 
and and like and I was walking past and like called me to go into the bathroom, and I was like me, like I could like you know like it was I don't know and this has happened a lot but every time it's exciting, and like when we're going to Washington D.C. this week like I'm gonna be on the floor with all the boys, and it feels like like it feels like low key weird for some reason like I because I feel like I don't want like I'm not like I don't. I don't feel like that kind of trans person that I'm like, I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know what I, I don't know. But I, but like for this kind of stuff with my job, like I'm so happy that I didn't go in there as genderqueer with all this stuff that we have to do with like housing and rooming. And I just am happy like that I didn't do that. Cause I like, cause I'm already me. Like I already have a tattoo on my face. I have... Um, you know, I like I don't want to. I I, I I get nervous about being the one that gets people to change everything. And, like I don't want to be too much, and then like then like then my grandmother is always like, and my mom is always convincing me that they're gonna like that like I'm gonna get fired. They're like, do you have a job next year? And I'm like, yeah. Like why do you keep asking me that? And like it's like these like these things where I feel like I'm not, and and. Uh, yeah, so it makes me nervous. Like I don't wanna, I don't wanna push the end. And I understand now, you know, Booker T, and all the others who didn't push every single boundary. And I understand why they put Byron Rustin on the sidelines so much with MLK. Like it's a lot for some reason for everyone to deal with everything all at once. And so, mm. what have been other mentors that you? followed or like looked up to that I know personally no just historically or yeah or personally um I really looked up to Sylvia Rivera and like Marsha P. Johnson because I think like obviously but I listened to this podcast and like I always like I never knew how little um love they got I never knew because I was always around people who loved them. And, like, I listened to this podcast, like, really not that long ago. Like, you know, like, I'm used to people loving them. And obviously I knew they didn't get all of their due because, what, they're trans they're trans people in the 60s. Like, that's just the way it works. But I listened to this podcast, and she was speaking, and she and the last thing she said in this thing was, like, in this interview was... Something along the lines of, I would have done anything for the movement, but the movement, it just didn't want me. Did I tell you about that? No, it's historical. Like, I feel like that's, like, the line that I always hear, too. Oh, like, I never really did a lot of research about her, to be honest. I just kind of, like, thought that I, you know, and and it was really, like, I and it made me think, like, would I, like, wow, I don't know. It just really moved me that, like, you could be so... Uh, taken over by a movement or or be such a part of a movement that you don't care if it... Like, I mean, you do care, but, you know, like, you do it anyway. You do it regardless of the... of anything. You just do it. Um, And that's obviously really inspirational to me. And... um, And... um, yeah. Yeah. 
also like when what was your first experience of a trans person or like understanding of transness do you remember <laughs> but as transness like transness as transness or anything that hinted that now you can understand as that I guess people call it your root you know some root experiences that actualize into the thing that like you identify as or with wow I know I, I've never thought about this that's okay we can return to it or you can just the way I became trans was really weird, I think. It was not some, like, and I know this is not, like, the narrative, like, like, I know everyone's narrative is different, but, like, I was not, like, I did not know. <laughs> I did not know, like, I think I, I don't remember when I found out what trans, oh, 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 I had a friend who was trans in high school. But I did not think I was trans when he came out as trans. I really didn't. But I also didn't think I, like, so, basically what happened was I got to high school and I started dating this, what she would call AG or stud, right? And very, very masculine, right? And... So we dated, and I was, like, very feminine at this point, like, ninth grade, like, just pretty fem, like, yeah, fem. And and that happened, and then we broke up, and some stuff happened, and I don't remember if my friend had come out as trans yet or not, but my, but my switch from fem to mask happened like that, like, over a summer. Like, I was, like, threw everything out and started again. And I was, like, okay. Was there, like, something you saw that you wanted to emulate? Like, how did that transformation happen? I really don't remember. Because I was not the type of mask person as the person I dated, right? Like, it was not the same. So I don't know who I was really basing it off of. I really don't. Mm. And, and I, and I don't, I didn't know anyone, but I was just wearing clothes that I liked and I really didn't, I just immediately felt better. Um, and like not better, but, be, well, not great, but better. And then, and, and you have to forgive me cause I have a terrible memory cause of the Xanax, but I didn't start using they, them pronouns until college. Mm -hmm. And what else helps affirm your gender? Like you gravitating towards a different style helped you feel better. Are there other things now that also affirm your gender? Other people. Yeah. I'm having sex right now that's like very affirming to my gender sex, depending on how the person does it with me is affirming. But also, I feel like everything that is affirming is maybe less noticeably, but equally 
unaffirming. Can you talk about that? Like, it's only when I notice, like, I notice when something is affirming. And so in my head, I'm saying, oh, this is affirming me. And I know this is affirming me. Or like, this is only affirming me because I'm what in my head person calls like, you know, I was like, not a real boy or something. You know, like this is affirming, like someone saying, can I be explicit? Mm -hmm. Someone saying like, oh, your dick is so hard right now, affirms me. And I'll be like, oh, I love that they said that because I don't have a dick, which is unaffirming to me. And it, and I don't, and then I, and then I have to do this thing where I'm like, oh, but if I was a dick, if I hadn't, if I was a dick, if I had a dick, I'd be a, like, I would be a dick that no one, like, the people that I like wouldn't even want to deal with, because the people that I like, like, I would be a cis man, right? If I, well, not, no. If I, if I was a cis, sorry, ah, I'm being bioessentialist. I'm not trying to be, but I'm, like, in this place of a penis envy that's so intense right now that I can't help but be in this, like, bioessentialist place, and I don't want to but what I'm trying to say is if I were a cis man I'd be a cis man <laughs> and who the fuck wants to be that? who the fuck wants to be that and and I just so I just feel like it's like these things that are affirming when I say oh that was affirming or that feels good because it was affirming affirming to me implies <laughs> which is like me being like so insensitive maybe like but affirming implies that it's not true <laughs> a little bit like affirm it's like oh yeah I affirm you like I affirm that you're crying right now because you're like something stupid happened right like mm -hmm. it's you're affirming something that like is like a it's almost like coddling it's like appeasing and so that, just that reality reminds me of all the things that don't affirm me at almost every time that I feel affirmed. But the, but the affirmation kind of overshadows, not overshadows, but overglows it. I like the overglow. I like the <laughs> overglow. Yeah. Um, so I know, or I've seen photos of you on the gram <laughs> in protests waving a flag with a lot of chains that was one photo okay it was one photo but it felt epic right. and i also know that you had a relationship at some time to afropunk and it uh, also using your image mm -hmm. and i just wanted to know yeah the experience of your own politics performing politics being a part of a political movement and then also in return the ways in which that particularly your image is used to further people's politics yeah um, my politics are really not what people, I don't know. I don't know. Um, well, anyway, I'll talk, let me see how I should get into this. Afropunk, fuck Afropunk, honestly, because they used my image on all these billboards and this, that, and the other thing with the speak truth to power. I didn't see a cent. I did the math. And there I have other issues with them because of what others have told me. Um, uh, but, you know, they're selling like 100,000 tickets at $100 a pop. 
I know they're paying a lot of money to have the people there, but like... And they didn't even ask. They didn't even ask to use my picture. Like, and I know, and I didn't do it because I don't have faith in any system that, like, I know that there was something in the fine print of the this, of the that, that, you know, of the, the second booklet of the, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Of them saying, oh, we could use your likeness for any of this. And I know that is there. I know that they covered their tracks. And so I was going to get involved in this lawsuit with this guy who honestly had much more, uh, <laughs> much more ammunition than I did. Like, I was just mad they used my picture. Like, I don't know what I was expecting them to do from it. Like, what, give me, like, a hundred bucks? Like, I don't know how much you're gonna, like, I don't know what to fucking ask for. But this fucking guy, so he's a photographer. And apparently... Well, not apparently. He showed me the receipts, like, on FaceTime. He showed me these receipts. Like, took, like, most of the black and white images that you know of Afropunk, um, like, their advertising, black and white images, are taken by this guy. And the guy at Afropunk, the guy run, he was at Afropunk. He took the pictures and posted them. They asked if they could use them. They asked him if he, they could use the pictures. He said no. They used them anyway. This guy, like, goes to, like, starts to br bring some actions against them, whatever, goes to Afropunk. And then the guy who runs Afropunk apparently gets this guy, gets security to break this guy's camera and kick him out of Afropunk the next year. All this shit. But anyway, so I was on FaceTime with this guy. And, like, he was telling me all this stuff. I don't know if this is true. I don't even know. But I didn't get involved. Because I was just like, I don't feel like I haven't, like, they just used my picture. Like, I didn't yeah. feel like I was going to get anything out of it. But who knows? But, but anyways, the, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, but in the beginning we were like, people wouldn't assume the politics that I have or whatever you started with. I'm like, what? Yeah, and stuff. it's also like, I guess I like to speak truth to power. I give them that. But I also feel like, maybe it's not that people assume a politics that I don't have. I think it's that people assume a past that I don't have. And, you know, I'm realizing more and more as I get older that pretty much like, majority of the revolutionaries that like you know like Che and Fidel and like who else can I think of like you know Lolita Lebron like you know like even the like at least people that I know in like the Latino revolutionary world are all privileged people and like are people that come from privilege in some way and I feel and I don't know maybe I'm projecting maybe people don't assume so, like, but people assume that I have, like, this, that I know this truth or something. That, like, that my opinion based on my feelings, based on my experiences as a trans, black, blah, blah, blah. So can you get more back into your background? To... Sure. I grew up, honestly, rich. Like... My mom was a fucking baller. She, like, helped start Sean John. Like, we had a huge house. We had, like, it was huge. It was amazing. It's not that way anymore. But it was this way. This is the way I grew up. Um, I went, I lived in a town called Paramus um, from ages 5 to 15. Or maybe, like, 5 to, yeah, 5 to 16 or 17, maybe. I don't know. And um, it was, in like, a 97% 
what maybe more than that percent white town i was the only black girl uh ever and there was just two other black boys but i was the only i never actually thought about that until recently which is crazy like being the only black girl um but there was never another black girl and um which is really weird now that I think about it. Um, but anyways, you know, I love, like, I was chilling. Like, you know, people call me a nigger every now and then, like, a few times. But I was like, I was like, whatever. Like, have you seen my house? I was like, have you seen my house? <laughs> like, you know, because it would be the fucking, it would be the fucking nobody. It would be the kids. Huh? It was like the fucking kid, this kid. My mom used to buy his mom groceries. And this kid was calling me a nigger. Like, don't call me. Oh, okay. Like, come on now. Like, you're welcome for your dinner. Like, that's how I felt growing up. And, like, I really... And, like, it was always the same kids that would be picking on me. It would not be the kids that had a lot of money. And, like, it would be, like, the kids that, like were not doing well in school and didn't have new clothes and like, and you know, like, and I think that it made me kind of, my defense kind of became elitist. Like, it was like, how dare you? Cause that was the only thing that I had. I was black. Like, it was like checkmate almost at that. Like, honestly, all they had to be was like, yeah, you're a nigger. And I'd be like, you got me there. Like, wait, you're right. I am black. Like, <laughs> and you're not like that. It, it makes me lesser than you here. And like, so, you know, I all, the only defense I had was being like, my jacket's like, expensive. you know, like I was like trying to floss to feel good about myself all the time. And I feel like that really affects how I am now. Mm -hmm. And, um, and what was, I know you went to, Private yeah, I went to boarding school. Boarding school. Mm -hmm. Well, prep school, whatever. I went to the Lawrenceville School, yeah, in New Jersey. And I don't really want to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was interesting. But that was also a very specific kind of experience where, you know, I learned how to, like, network and read the canonical shit. But also I had teachers that were, like, turning it on its head and, like, you know, like... And people didn't like me, the students. Teachers liked me. Um, the administration liked me, but the students didn't. A lot of them. Some of them did. Just mainly the white boys, like the lax bros. But like the girls that they hung out with loved me. Like I was friends with them. Um, but then I went to Wesleyan and, you know, I've had a very easy economic life. Um, but then, you know, things haven't been that great with my, my mom's financial situation recently or like for a while, honestly, and it was really hard. It has been, and it continues to be very hard for me to adjust to it. Um, almost impossible <laughs> to adjust to being, you know, like almost to having like, never like where my parents, like, you know, like they weren't being crazy with what they would give I mean, I, people were getting more than I was getting. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't... Like, I never got a car or anything. You always compare up. Right. Right. And and I compare down, too. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I mean, like, I, I don't want to, like, make it seem like... Like, my parents were, like, giving me, like, everything I wanted. They were still, like, black parents who were, like, you know, you like... Where are you going to get the money for that? Like, you know, they would get me whatever I wanted. But 
they would give me a little hard time about it. And so, but like now, my mom really can't do that. And she doesn't have a lot of money because things haven't been that good. And it's, it's been hard for me to cope with that for a long time. And like my spending has not really changed and it should. Um, but still, I find myself still like making sure that people know. Now I find myself making sure that people know I have money or have had money or have, have nice things because I want them to know that I'm not scary. And I feel like they'll think I'm not scary if I, like, you know, dress in a certain way and, like, dress up and dress in this... It's kind of like whistling Vivaldi, but it's, like, wearing Versace. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. But when you say people, do you mean, like, other queer... No. Who who are you? People on the street. Just people on the street. Yeah, like, I like you know, like, what I, like, white women outside, like, they're not mean to me. They're really not. Like, when I, I go outside, I'm smiling, wearing my Fendi hat, looking cute, like, looking artsy, what I call the Basquiat effect. And they're like, oh, I love it. Like, and the, you know, I, like, stand up, like, oh, would you like to sit here? Like, you know, like, I, I don't know. Like, I want people to understand, like, my biggest thing is, like, I can look like this, and I feel like I have, like, a tough exterior, you know? I don't know, like, a kind of rough and tough... Ex- don't we know? <laughs> I have a rough and tough exterior. Like, you know, to people who are not hip, you know? And, like, obviously the people who know me, like, I'm a little bitch, but, like, the people who are not hip, like, they're like, oh, like, you know? But they're not that way, because I feel like I, I don't know what it is about me that that elicits, but I feel like it's the way that I dress. I feel like it's the way that I dress and I present myself and in these situations. And you feel like that's armor for you? Like that is, uh-huh. like, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Like, and, and the thing is, I'll use that armor to my detriment. Like, you know, like, like, I, like, and this is actually like the thing I hate most about myself is that I will, like, when I am defensive, I am very elitist. Like, I'm, like, I get very, like, like, you know, but only towards, only towards white people. No, towards all people. Like, you know, like, I'll, like I, remember, I don't remember this one time, but there was this, like, dumbass, he was, like, I don't remember what happened, but, uh, I don't know, but I, like, get real elitist about things, and, and like, and like, I remember this one time I was getting arrested and, and this was like back when I was on Xanax, so I was just saying anything, honestly. And I was like talking to the cop and I, and I don't remember, I can't remember what I was saying, but it was, I was like making fun of how much he made. Like, you know, like, I remember like talking to this guy who was on this bus one time who was like, is you a nigga or is you a bitch? He's a black guy. And I was like, are you wearing fake Jordans right now? That's fucking whack. Like, and like fake Jordans, like he probably, like maybe you couldn't afford real Jordans. You know, like I feel like I, I say things that are kind of elitist and like, I'll be like, can you read? Like, you know, like, and like, I'll just get so angry that I'm like trying to find anything that I have that makes me stronger than these people. Because I feel like I, I feel like the identities that I hold are, in, in situations of, you know, fight or flight are like, you know, they're nicks in my armor. And I try very hard to, 
I, I don't know. It's just the way that it comes out. My dad's very similar. Hmm. Um, Do you want to get into the musical? Since oh, I know that those two things. Yeah, are... yeah. Um, yeah, the musical's going well. Can you tell um, the audience about yes, what it is? Yes, the musical. Um, so I don't have a title for it yet, audience, but um, it is about me and my father, kind of our parallel, inversely proportional. I I have I forget if it's inversely proportional or proportional. I think it's inversely proportional, but it depends because I don't know where I'm going yet. Anyways, it's about me and my dad and our relationship and how he grew up like squatting and poor in, in New York City and how I grew up having whatever I wanted in suburbia and how we kind of... And he, have, he has like this beautiful rags to riches story, my dad, and kind of how he came up from nothing and I came up from a different kind of nothing, of suburbia, uh, like a, an excess of nothing, a nothing of excess, and uh, how we're meeting kind of in New York City together and my journey coming out as trans and going on hormones and um, his journey, you know, being a man who, like, didn't know who his father was for a long time and, like... You know, going to boarding school when he was young and, you know, literally after living on a park bench for a month, like, so it's, 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 it's following both of us and kind of both of our journeys to becoming better men or better mask identifying people. Do you want to perform any parts of it? Oh, I don't know which one I should do. Um... So I have this one that, okay, I'll do this one part for my dad. Um, it's, it's like this. I will not say goodbye to the image of my daughter. And though she made me writhe, every mistake she made was mine. And I'd be lying to act fine with this goodbye. My real name, my dead name rather is Maya. Oh my, oh my, my, Maya, she disappears before my eyes, and I think Ze- and I and I see Zeno and think, what does he know about goodbyes? And it goes on, but yeah, that's kind of the essence of my dad's character. Mm. And my character is obvious for some reason much harder to come up with. Yeah. Um. Because I feel so in flux currently and don't know, like, what I want my character's art to be. Like, I, I, I feel where my dad's character is coming or going to mm. and coming from. But it feels harder to figure that out for myself. Are there other creative things you're working on? Um, no. I mean, kind of. I write poems every now and then, and I'm trying to find people to make music with. Um, but I had a recent friend break up that has left me musically deprived. Um, but recently, I think I'm going to try to make music with my current deities ex-boyfriend who makes music. So it's going to be an interesting get-together. Okay. And uh, so I'm, I'm really trying to find me to make music with anyone because I don't really produce music and I don't have the software to and I can't afford it right now. But um, yeah, just a lot of poetry and a lot of this musical 
and um, I had this. Well, I also had this comic book that I was working on, but it's not. It it's really just an idea. A lot of I like the idea. Can you just truncate it a little bit and tell us what it's like? So basically, uh, Code Switch is the superhero in question, or the superhuman, the superhumanoid being um, that is half human, half code. And he can shapeshift basically to become anything that he wants and look like anybody that he wants. So he goes and infiltrates white supremacist groups and kills people in cold blood. His main, because uh, I want there to be a lot of questions about like, or not questions, but like complete uncertainty about who are good characters and who are bad characters. Um, and then his main enemy is Dr. Fibonacci, who's like this genius who's trying to get a hold of the AI that made Code Switch possible. And there's a lot of things that go into it, but I'm trying to figure out what makes... Do- oh, Dr. Fibonacci is gay. So he's homonormative. But, well, well not homonormative. Well, yeah, homonormative. With that name? Yeah, Fibonacci. Okay. <laughs> he's like a... He's like a white supremacist. Which is normal. <laughs> yeah. Um, switching it up, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but if you wanted to say anything, if you've had experiences with mental health that you wanted to discuss, or mental illness, or just at anything at large in those within those topics. Big Pharma is really, you can't live with them, you can't live without them. Mm. And I, I have had a lot of issues with mental health. Um, for a lot, Actually, I feel like my life is full of things that just happen. Like my, my mask switch up just happened. Like I don't know what triggered it. Like my emotions, like I, they just happen. Like, I really can never draw back to a trigger or a starting moment. And and the same thing with my mental illness. Like, I really don't know what started all of this. But it wasn't always there. I was fine. I was a fine. I was fine. And... I really don't know what started it. And it, and it, but it came on heavy and I guess that happens. Like, you know, people don't develop and, you know, I've been called bipolar. I don't think I am, Uh, you know, people don't develop these things until later in life, which is so scary, especially things like schizophrenia, like when people don't develop it until like, anyways, but you know, I'm on this cocktail of medicines right now and I have never felt like I, like it's just I've been on medicines that have like made me feel so bad, made me feel nothing. But now I'm on medicines where I feel normal, and I feel like maybe they're really, you know, you know, there's something to it. But I don't like the way that it's all happening. But that's the same thing as pretty much everything in the whole goddamn world. But I don't know. I just am really happy that I can afford healthcare. Yeah. And that's. Or not that I can afford healthcare, that my dad has healthcare and I'm a dependent on him until I'm 26. And in that case, I don't know what the fuck is happening then. But I'm just really lucky is all I think about when I think about my mental health. And like I'm around people recently who 
who don't do anything about their mental health and have the resources to. And that, like, and that is where I start to get unsympathetic, unfortunately. And I know it's hard to, like, get, but I just feel so lucky that I can get the help that I need. That I feel like people, like, I just feel like, I know it's hard. It took me a long time. But I was always trying to get the help that I need, I guess. I was always trying to go to therapists and, like, I was like, let's do this. Like, I need help. Like, I always was aware of that. And I know that not everybody is. And I know that it's 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 a privilege for me to even say that my mental illness is the type of mental illness that allows me to get help or recognize that I need help. But... And has there been any difficulties, like, navigating it as a trans person or... or sure. Yeah. Sure, but I'm also, like, not that sensitive about stuff. Yeah. Like, I I haven't been to a doctor that, like, you know, I had this one doctor that, you know, referred to it as, like, you know, like, my, like, you know, what does he say? Like, like, she wouldn't name it. She'd be like, your experience. But she wouldn't name my transness, right? And, like, that was something I was like, okay, like, fuck her like I'm going to but I had the privilege to be like I'm just going to a doctor like bye bitch like I don't need you I got to I go to it I'm gonna find a trans doctor and that's what I did and I'm gonna find a black doctor and I'm gonna find a blah 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 and that's and it's and it really hasn't been that hard and I really thank economic privilege and healthcare. um it's really like I can't like there's this trans feminine person that is homeless that kind of sometimes is around my school where I work and and I was talking to them the other day and 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 like and I've also seen them on other occasions like talking to themselves and like clearly having like some kind of you know I just think about I, I it just it's damning to me and like that's the thing that I think like that I I think I'm the most grateful for is like mental health and health benefits that really piss me off and clean water Fuck people not having clean water. That really pisses me the fuck off. Um, but yeah, it, it, I mean, my therapist is trans. Um, my psychiatrist, he's black, he's fine. I'm getting a new one soon, but I'm going to try to find someone who's trans. And yeah, it's yeah. just you got to get into this network, unfortunately. Yeah. People. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Um... It would be great if I could fart right now, but no, I'm good. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.